You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So there is, man, oh man, the, the team is officially out of the playoffs. They're not good, and we don't even have a coach, and I, I, I don't think there's ever been this much news ever. I mean, there's always days where, where the news kind of takes care of itself, right? Game day, you talk about game day. The day after game day, you talk about wins and losses. At some point, you got to talk about the competition coming up. So some of these days just to kind of take care of themselves. But it's a Tuesday. I There's too much to talk about. I mean, I, I don't really want to talk about head coaching right now because I, I just don't have a solid footing in it. I kind of want to just touch on it. But, man... It's one of those things where sometimes I just got to let myself go and that, you know, I I tried to just like peek at it to give my overall thought and then say, okay, we got to talk about all this other stuff, you know, Joe Philbin and the the structure and and Mark Mike McCarthy and but I, I, you know, I don't really care about that other stuff quite as much. So I, I really just want to briefly touch on as many topics as possible and then maybe revisit some of these, um in more depth at another time. And I'd also like to get some help in some of these categories. We'll see how that goes. But um, in other words, there's a lot of things that need to be discussed. I'm just going to start talking and we'll see what happens. Before we get there, however, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Thank you very, very much to everybody who has uh, given to that to support the podcast. I really do appreciate it. For those that don't know, for as little as a buck a month, you can help Give me another reason to wake up bright and surly, which I got to be honest, is way harder during the wintertime when you get about 45 seconds of sunlight, if that, per day, and it's just dark all the time and all I want to do is sleep. Because I'm not convinced human beings aren't meant to hibernate. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced of that, because as soon as it gets cold out, all I want to do is sleep. But every time I take a peek at Patreon, Facebook, Twitter, and, and just, you know, all the all the people reaching out. It's like, man, I gotta get up. And I, listen, I want to. Trust me, this is a lot of work. If I didn't love doing this, everything would be shut down, and I'd let you keep your dollar, five, ten dollars, however much you're giving, per month. Happily, I would do that. But when you love it, it doesn't really feel like work, so maybe I'm kind of fibbing a little bit to try to get you to give me a dollar. Because as tired as I am, I'd rather do this than sleep. All right, there I said it. I'm a fraud, okay? I love it. Packernet.com for all your news notes and information. Be sure to hit the little gear icon to set your own news feed, because who wouldn't want to do something as awesome as that? If you don't start your morning with the Packernet podcast, going to Packernet.com to check out the latest news, and then immediately going to NFLBigBoard.com to find out the latest Big Board organizational structure. You can't interrupt my preliminaries, man. I love you, dance party, but not the preliminaries. This is how we make our money, man. Come on. Get in the game, DJ Galaxy. Unbelievable. Grow up. So immature. But yes, NFL Big Boy. I did do another update. So um, according to my list, I went up to about 250 
But you got to understand, I I legit I am about forty prospects away. I think even less than that from one thousand total prospects. I have a lot of prospects, but most don't make it on the big board. It's only up to I think three fifty. So, anyways, I added a bunch of news and highlights and all that stuff yesterday. Unfortunately, most of the updates because of just how I do it, don't end up even making it on the website, because those are the ones that get deleted. But just don't worry about it. I don't mind. Big update, and uh, also a big reshuffling. I did uh, updates from... Fortunately, they're coming in a little more fast and furious, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the more regular updates to get more accurate big boards. For those that don't know, just tuning in, it is a uh, aggregation, meaning I take... I mean, there's about about 35 big boards. I don't know how many of them because I've got several of them shut off because they don't update or haven't updated in the last month. We'll call it about 25 big boards right now. From all the, the reputable places, Walter Football, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I mean, the guy grinds and he knows his stuff and he's got one of the earliest boards out. I mean, he's, he, it's, it's his full-time job. He scouts whether you agree with his opinion or not. He does this full-time and it's he knows what he's doing. He also has his ear to the ground, even though, well, we're not going to get into that. Walter, Draft Tech, um, the Draft Network, all that stuff into one big board. Pretty excited about it myself. I mean, I, I just, I, if, if you're trying to scout players, and I used to say this is where you start and then you go elsewhere. You don't need to go elsewhere. If you want to scout prospects, you just need NFLBigBoard.com. Granted, some of the information just takes you to another website, but this is your command station. So I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm jacked. I'm excited to do a live stream where I just need my own website to be able to pull up highlights as people are picked. I can get all the information, all the highlights and everything right there for the live stream. Man, that is going to be awesome. Anyways, let's move on. So I suppose we'll start with the head coach because that's the thing that might just, I mean, we might just make a day of it. Because there's a lot of opinions out there and I, I just don't, I guess I'm confused. <clears throat> So many people are so sure of things, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just our nature. Like, we just get something in our head, and we decide we like it, and we're just all in. Which shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, there's a lot of very... It doesn't matter what the, the topic is. Sports, politics, any, any kind of issue that there is. With zero research whatsoever, there's a question asked in a public manner, and then somebody forms an opinion, and they believe it with all of their strength and heart and soul and mind and, and body and, and I'm, I, I don't know what are the things you can and bring into that, but it, it doesn't, I guess it just doesn't take much research. Not to say some people haven't really put in the work, but I mean, I, I, I've put in a moderate amount of work and I have no idea who I would like it. I, I've seen like the polls, who should be on I don't have a clue. The one thing everybody seems united on is we don't want Joe Philbin, and I get it, and I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of that. But if I were to rank all the candidates based on the information that I have, Joe Philbin is not at the bottom of the list. I mean, so I guess the first question we'd have to ask if, if I were to sit down with somebody and they were to say, this is my head coach. And you can probably tell what criteria people care about most based on which head coach they like, although some of the candidates... I, I just, I don't know what it is you like about them. Big name, I guess, I don't know. But for example, there are several criteria. There's, there's the one thing where we would like a young head coach. I don't think that's super important. Uh, coaches can coach for quite a long time. If you're 50 years old, I mean, you, you can coach for 10 years, right? 
And granted, 30 is cool, but if, if 10 years is kind of your, your max anyways, does it matter if they go from 30 to 40 or 40 to 50 or 50 to 60? What? Why does young really matter? So it seems like one of those things like, we got to get a young guy. Yeah, I mean, all right, I guess. But I think also a lot of the reason people want young people is because they feel like young equals hip, hip equals like crazy plays, and, and crazy plays are what wins football games in 2018, 2019. I guess I don't know that, and I'd like to see a little bit more information about that. Because from where I sit, I understand there are some teams that run a little bit more college or, or newer style offenses that are successful, but I would say that there is a stronger correlation between success and good football players than there is success and you know college football offenses. Yeah, but look at the Rams. Look at the kind of plays they run. That's true, and maybe that has something to do with it, and I'm sure their head coach has a lot to do with it, but how much is the playbook and how much is Goff and Gurley and Cooks and Woods and that really good offensive line they have with Havenstein and Whitworth on the edge, Saffold and Blythe at guard? How much of it is Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue on defense or the fact that they've got two pretty good safeties or Aqib Tlaib? Marcus Peters, Nikel Roby Coleman. I mean, crazy plays are cool, and I absolutely understand and, and have seen where they are of benefit, but I don't think it's just let's take a college offense and give it to the Packers and we win. McCarthy already knows their playbook. He can watch the film and see the play and say, okay, here's what they did there, steal the entire playbook and run it. Anybody can do that. I think that's part of the problem with everybody's mentality that we got to just steal from Chiefs teams and, and Rams teams because they know the offense. Well, everybody knows the offense. You just watch them run it. I mean, it's it's a secret until you run the play, and then it's not a secret anymore, right? Like the, the Philly special that everybody's doing now. How does everybody know? Only Philly knows because they ran the play, and now everybody knows it. It's not a secret anymore. So anybody can steal from anybody else, and everybody does steal from everybody else. So I, I don't necessarily need the Rams' offensive coordinator to come over here because he knows the plays. I, I think the Rams are successful for a lot of reasons, and maybe a little bit of it is the plays. A lot of it, I think, has to do with drafting well, signing quality free agents, really good football players, and then a good coach who not only has creative plays but knows how to use them, when to use them. He's a very good leader, which I think is a very underappreciated part of McVeigh. Everybody thinks, well, he's he's young and he's youthful and he's got creative plays. Yeah, but he's also a really good leader and he has this team believing that they're dominant and they kind of are largely because the coach has them convinced that they are. Right? I mean, th- this is a lot of high volatility guys that can just completely blow up at any moment and they for the most part are staying in line I don't hear any rumblings about the Rams locker room and again when you win the locker room is is fine but but again it's not just okay crazy plays what about the Chiefs Chiefs run crazy plays man what about that yeah what about Pat Mahomes see that that, that's the thing you want to talk about the playbook and I'm telling you if they didn't draft well with John Dorsey and get really good players like Hill who's no longer there I'm sorry, not Hill. Hill is there. They drafted Hill, very good draft pick. They traded up to get Pat Mahomes, incredible draft pick. Travis Kelsey, incredible draft pick. 
The talent they have is why they're successful. The plays help. The coach absolutely helps. Very good head coach. Yes, some of the plays help, but this isn't going to work with a different head coach and different players, but the same playbook. The playbook by itself is useless. So, eh. and again, the fact that any coach at any time can steal whatever plays they want, it doesn't necessarily mean to me that we need to get somebody from the Chiefs or the Rams. Everybody knows the playbook. If they like it, if they think it's going to work, fine. I, I want a good head coach that understands the talent we have and how to utilize them. Don't try to put a round peg in a square hole. Well, this doesn't really fit what we do on offense, and Aaron Rodgers definitely does not, you know, this is not his style, but, I mean, the Chiefs do it, and they look awesome. Like, can you imagine doing all these crazy trick plays? Granted, we don't have the talent, we don't have the speed over here, we don't have this, we don't have that, but, uh, I mean, it's cool, and it works for other. That's not how that works. Analyze the players you have and utilize them as best as you can. Every offense should be catered to that offense. And it's up to a good head coach to understand the offense and understand how best to make this offense go. Now, I would like a, a coach to at least understand, because, you know, I, I think you do have a problem with somebody, for example, like Mike McCarthy, who probably has a little bit of an ego and maybe doesn't watch other teams quite as much, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's not the at the forefront calling up, you know, Lincoln Riley and, and all these other college coaches getting input on, on the offense because he's busy, you know, talking with Joe Philbin and building his own thing. So, yes, I, w- I would like you to understand the different concepts. I want you to be immersed in, in what what is new and emerging, but I, I don't want you to just take a, a, a college playbook and slap it down and say, this is what we're doing because I want new and crazy. I don't want Lincoln Riley just because he does crazy stuff as a college coach, and he comes over here and he's young and crazy, and young and crazy is cool because young and crazy wins. No, talent wins. The biggest problem is the, the attributes that I care about most, I, I can't really quantify it. Who's going to come in here and be a good leader? Who's going to come over here and win the locker room? And most importantly, who's going to come over here and have Aaron Rodgers' ear? And that's where you look at somebody like Joe Philbin and you say, he has a little bit of a leg up on a lot of these guys because at the very least, we know... He has a good relationship with a lot of these people. Now, maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be interested in it because he sees Joe Philbin as just another Mike McCarthy, and he's going to be upset if he ends up getting... So so fine, then he's out. But we don't have a whole lot of people we can pick from that we know are going to be able to have a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. For me, the, really the most important piece right now is our GM. Again, because I think the most important aspect is going to be talent. Now, we got to fix the locker room a little bit because, unfortunately, a lot of these guys, as we all saw, the reason we lost to the Arizona Cardinals wasn't because we're worse than the Arizona Cardinals. That's absolutely false. We lost because everybody gave up. Aaron Rodgers and the rest of these, these guys on this team, they just they didn't want to be out there. They didn't want to play. They don't care anymore. There's more than enough talent on this team to win. Talent is one part of the equation. We have a lot. We need more. That's where the GM comes in. The next most important piece is going to be a head coach, and the the thing the head coach has to do is take that talent and make it go. And again, all the crazy plays in the world aren't going to do anything if we have this team stacked with talent but not ready to go. Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. Devontae Adams is just talking about how he's underappreciated. Aaron Jones is, you know, good but just... I don't know, doesn't get any opportunities, so nobody cares. 
He's underutilized, underappreciated, starts to get upset. The energy on defense continues to dwindle. I mean, at, at some point, we need a spark. And so I personally, and again, I'm, I'm still trying to work through this myself. I am considerably less worried about the playbook and much more concerned. And, and it is important, right? If you're running dumb plays and your guys aren't getting open, that's going to hurt. Right? If, if, if you're running a screen on third and 15, I don't like that either. There, there are situational things, but I, I think there's a bigger picture that goes beyond plays. And as important as plays are, somebody has to wake this team up and get them excited. And that's why when I had, I, you know, I've read several articles and several different names, when somebody just made the statement, what about Dabo Swinney from Clemson? And they said he, I don't know how good of a, uh, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but the, the one selling point is this is a guy who will fight and get a team fired up. Like this, this is a, I don't want to say a, a player's coach necessarily because that has negative connotations, as I said yesterday, but I mean, he, he, he goes to battle for his team. He's loud. He, he's, he's excited. He gets real fired up for his players. So essentially he would come in, he would be the motivating force that got this team jacked up and believing in themselves, sort of like the, the self-help kind of motivator, which, again, is silly in my mind, and I'm, I'm, it's weird to me that we even have to talk about this, but apparently that kind of stuff is extremely important. Football players are very competitive, and very competitive people can be very prideful people, and when very competitive and prideful people lose, they go to a dark place. So they need a little motivation, because as I've said, with volatility, you have the negative aspect where you lose. When you lose, you start to really, really lose. But when you win, you start to really, really win. I've pointed to Cam Newton. I've pointed to the Jaguars. I think another person we have to consider is Aaron Rodgers. When this man is winning and he's on top of the world, he's unstoppable. He's the best anybody's seen. But how bad do things get when things aren't going well, when the team's losing, when, when the players that he's surrounded with aren't performing, when, the, the, when his coach is not doing what he wants him to do, and, and the relationship, how bad can it get? It can get real bad because he is a high-volatility player. And I think most football players probably are to some degree. I, I, don't, I don't think Tom Brady is all that different. I just think he doesn't ever lose, so we don't ever get to see the negative aspect. Let's see what happens when the Patriots miss the playoffs two years in a row. Let's see how volatile things get over in New England. Let's see how those players react. I, I think Tom Brady would absolutely lose it. Mentally, emotionally, physically, everything would fall apart. I believe that genuinely because you see how high he gets when things are good. The things that, you know, it's just always good. So what we need is a spark, and we need that from the head coach. So the GM and the head coach are the biggest pieces. We have the GM, and um, I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. But that's also where it gets a little weird with this whole structure and how Mark Murphy is ultimately the guy that's making this decision. And you know what? I don't know, man. It's weird to me because I feel like a team needs to have a singular focus. But maybe that's not entirely true. I've never really understood how it it was kind of revealed to me and it kind of blew my mind because I just always assumed the coach designed the team a certain way. So why wouldn't the coach have a lot of input into the draft. I guess my my concept of the draft was the head coach says, here's our team, here's how we operate, here's what I need, and the GM unleashes his army of people to go out and find those players for the head coach, and then he picks those players that the head coach wants. Turns out that's not the case. You have the head coach who runs a certain style offense, runs a certain style defense, they operate a certain way, and the GM doesn't pay any attention, Doesn't I mean, he kind of does, but he doesn't really care because apparently this is my team and I do what I want. I don't care what the coach says. And then I pick players that I like. And then 
if they fit together, great. If they don't, then I guess they just don't. I don't know how, how a team can survive that, but apparently that's kind of how that works. So the GM treats it as his team. The coach treats it as his team. The coach runs the team the way he feels the team needs to be run. The GM evaluates the team and decides where the team is lacking and then goes out and gets players, even if the coach is like, yeah, that's cool, but I mean, in order to run my offense, I need this kind of player. Have to have it. You didn't provide that to me. What am I supposed to do? Suppose I could fire you <laughs> to find somebody else that likes my players. I it just It's a weird thing. So again, now we're looking for a new head coach, and we have a GM, and this is his team, and I've said that, and that's cool. Fine. It's, it's, it's Brian Gutekunst's team. He gets the players. He sets the tone, right? He, he doesn't like the attitude. He sends players bye-bye. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, you got an attitude? Goodbye. You're not performing and you want more money? Goodbye. I get that, but now we're about to go get a head coach, and I kind of feel, and I don't know, maybe he has as much input as he, need, as he needs, it's just a weird structure because whose team is this? Who's setting the tone? Who gets to pick the focus? Who gets to, to pick all the... I don't know. I guess Mark Murphy, but he's so disconnected. It's so weird that he's making decisions. And I know he's trying to be more connected, but the guy who doesn't do any of the draft, any of the free agency, has a lot of oversight on the GM, but then constrains the GM so that he can't really impact the team directly but he kind of can if he wants to, like, you know, get rid of players. But otherwise, it's like the head coach has full authority over the team, so there's no real recourse for the coach to follow the instruction of the GM and, and the tone that he's trying to set, and I, I I guess I just don't really understand it. And if, if I was running the team, I would want there to be a lot of unity between the GM and the head coach, and I'd want the GM to be able to pick somebody that... that has the direction that he wants to take it in, but whatever. And Murphy did say that he's not going to hire anyone that Gutekunst is, you know, not comfortable with, but you might have 50 candidates, Gutekunst says no to 10, so we get rid of 10, now there's 40 and Gutekunst doesn't really get to pick. It's more or less, you don't want those 10, I won't hire those 10, I'm going to pick one of these 40 and you're going to deal with it. I don't know. I don't know beyond getting rid of people he doesn't like how much impact he's actually going to have. And who knows, maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe the GM likes somebody, but Mark Murphy's like, you know what, I want to get somebody that's, you know, high energy. I don't know. It's it's a weird structure, and I, I really don't understand. I, like a lot of things I said I don't understand. The across-the-hall meetings, I don't understand how that wasn't already a thing. The, the GM and head coach relationship, in particular with free agency and the draft, how is that not just a massive, like, I don't know how the GM does stuff and doesn't like directly consult the head coach. Like I'm, I'm thinking about going this route, or you know, like like weekly. What, what's going on with the team from your perspective? You're the one on the ground. You're calling plays that's not working. Why? Well, the the rookie wide receiver over here can't get his stuff together. He keeps running the wrong routes. The other rookie, he doesn't know what he's doing. I had to pull him and put in Kumaro last week, and Kumaro doesn't know what he's doing. So, so you need wide receiver help. Yes, I desperately need some wide receiver help. Okay, specifically what's wrong with the wide receivers? Well, they're not very bright. They can't figure things out. They, they, you know, they, they can separate if they run really fast in a straight line, but they're not good route runners. And I take notes and I say, okay, you know, intelligent football player. You know, great with 50-50 balls. Possession receiver. Oh, da, 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 da. Hey, all right, go talk to my personnel staff. We're looking for this guy. Does this guy exist? Yeah, we got this guy sitting over here. What's it going to cost? Basically nothing. Let's go get him. I mean, that, that's a condensed 
unrealistic scenario, at least in that it's not going to be that easy. But, I mean, I feel like that's how things should work, as opposed to two people running one team two different ways. Like the the GM just says, okay, you're gone and you're new. You start, you sit, you go here, you go there, and it's and the the coach is like, no, I'm I'm not going to play this guy, and I'm going to go with this guy, and I'm I'm going to do the team this way, and all right, ha ha, you're going to do this, and the GM comes in, no, ha ha, you're off the team, and he's like, oh shoot, all right, who else do we have here? You over there, and then he's like, hold on, I got you a new safety, and like I don't need a new safety. Well, I got you one, and I want you to play him. Fine, get in there and play safety. You go over there. What's your name? Campbell. Yeah, you're safety now. So weird. Like, it's just what are we? What is that? But anyways, that that's sort of. Now I'm trying to really find a way to quantify some of the things like leadership and and you know the respect that this coach has from this person or that person or whatever. But there's just an infinite number of variables. You know what happens when the team was bad? Was there any bad press coming out at that time? Right? If you if you talk about college and you're talking about a, a generally winning program. What happens when they lose? What what do, what do players say about them? And and you know that's something that uh, Murphy and 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 whatever are going to be able to talk about. Find people that played for this guy, whatever, and and talk to him about those kinds of things. But it's hard from where I'm sitting to gather that much information. And for me, it's not as easy as you know, big name, this, that, or the other. And I. As far as success and failure, that that's the only thing I can really go on. And I pointed to several people before who had seemingly some pretty good success, and that kind of made sense. You know, I, I had said if, if you want to look at a guy who improved the team everywhere he went, Todd Haley makes more sense than anybody. Everybody was very upset about that. You have no idea. The guy's not very good. Everybody wanted him out of Pittsburgh. And I'll acknowledge that everywhere he went, as soon as he got there, it's like they hired him, but they also hired, like, the new you know, awesome quarterback. Like, he showed up in Pittsburgh, like, right when they got Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell. But but literally, everywhere he went, they went from being a garbage team to a really good team, including going to the Browns. Now, they're not a really good team, but they went from a team that can't win a single game to starting to win some games and looking like a cohesive unit, even with having a garbage head coach. I would have loved to see what Todd Haley did as an interim head coach to see if they could elevate that team, but they fired Todd Haley, too. But again, that's just looking at their record. I, th- there's too many variables. There's the players. There's the head coach. There's the other coordinators. There's, there's the GM. There's, there's so many factors that go into things as far as success and failure. So it's really, 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 really hard to find somebody that makes sense. But I think people look at Todd Haley and they, they say this is some old guy. It's, it's a Mike McCarthy-esque type guy you know, stale Steelers offense. Not that it isn't explosive, but nobody talks about creative offenses coming out of Pittsburgh. Just good players lining up and winning, which, again, it's not so much the crazy plays as it is the talent. The Pittsburgh Steelers are good this year. Why? Because of their crazy plays? No, because Ben Roethlisberger's having a very good year, and Antonio Brown's a good football player, and James Conner's coming in and, and beating some people up, and they still have a pretty good offensive line, and their defense is really stepping up, so they're winning football games. They don't have a new head coach. They don't have a new playbook. They just, they're just winning because they're better than the teams they're playing. But, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is for any coach you look at, I, I need to know very specifically why, and I don't hear a lot of reasons why. I hear a lot of names, and I hear a lot of no, and I understand all of the no's. Like, no, I don't want that guy. Yeah, I get that. I don't personally really want Philbin. 
I think Philbin is an extension of McCarthy, and I, I don't see how that really helps us very much. The only reason it could help us would be if, if Aaron Rodgers really, really likes Joe Philbin, but I, I could just see that deteriorating very quickly. If the problem between McCarthy and Rodgers was the the way the offense was run, which I'm assuming that's what it was, they're two people that have been together a long time, they have a mutual respect for one another, but they just had massive disagreements about the offense, well, Joe Philbin was right next to Mike McCarthy to build this offense. Even if they're really good friends and they like each other, how long before the Philbin offense wears tired on Aaron Rodgers and they start not liking each other? So, okay, I get that. Let's not go that route. Um, John Filippo. I've been hearing this over. I, I, I have never heard a good reason for John Filippo. I, I just don't know what it is. He was the Eagles quarterback coach. So what? Well, Carson Wentz. Yeah, he's a good football player. I mean, what, what, what do you want to say? I mean, who's Pat Mahomes' quarterback coach? Let's just hire him as our head coach because he's obviously a freak because sometimes it's, it's, it's not possible that guys just come in and are good football players. That's not it. it. It's not that. It's the fact that Pat or the, there's a quarterback coach sitting there coaching somebody who's really good. No, 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 no. Pat Mahomes is trash. It's the quarterback coach that's making him look good. Well, you know, Wentz went out and then the backup came in and it looked really good and they won a Super Bowl. Okay, how much does that has to do with the quarterback himself as opposed to the quarterback coach? How much of that has to do with the supporting cast around him? The offensive line, the run game, the, the wide receivers, the tight ends. How much of that has to do with their dominant defense? How much of that has to do with the offensive coordinator? How much of that has to do with the head coach? You know John Filippo was the offensive coordinator for the Browns in 2015? Anybody want to talk about that? Do you know in 20, from 2014 to 2015, he made the Cleveland Browns worse? He was a quarterback coach for the Oakland Raiders, so he went from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator, and he made the Cleveland Browns worse, and he got fired. Then he went to Philly to be a quarterback's coach. He got another offensive coordinator job with the Vikings. Guess what happened to the Vikings? They got a brand spanking new quarterback who's an upgrade. They got their running back back, and their offense is worse than last year. If we're going to follow the same trend, he's getting fired after this year. Unless Packer fans get their way, he won't get fired. He'll get promoted to head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Why? Somebody please give me a reason why. Explain this to me. What is it? What what has you so excited about John D. Filippo? I mean, maybe there is something. Maybe it's it has something to do with the way he commands a locker room, his leadership abilities. There has to be something other than he was the quarterback coach of the Super Bowl champions. Because, man, if that's the case, there's a lot. I mean, who was the defensive coordinator? Oh, Jim Schwartz. Yes, sir. Should hire that guy. Granted, he was uh, pretty terrible as a head coach of the Detroit Lions for a very, very long time. But so what, dude? He was the defensive coordinator for the Super Bowl champion Eagles. And the Eagles' defense is what really carried him. It wasn't the quarterbacks. It was the defense. So he should be our head coach. It's, it's too simplistic. There has to be something else there. If there's nothing else there, stop saying you want John Filippo because it just doesn't make any sense. Find another reason to like him. And if there is one, tell me. Facebook group, get in there, tell me what it is. What is it about John Filippo that has you excited? He, he's made teams worse everywhere he's gone. And yes, he happened to be the quarterback coach when they drafted a new quarterback who was an upgrade. And it, early in the first round, a guy that everybody assumed was going to be good came into the NFL and was good. And somehow the quarterback coach is a genius for creating this man out of, out of thin air. He created him from the rib of Doug Peterson. I mean, what, what, what are we talking about? He was also the quarterback coach of Jamarcus Russell. Does that matter to anybody? He didn't really make him magic. Jamarcus Russell was a bad quarterback. 
and a bad quarterback came into the NFL, and he played poorly, and as a result, what? Nothing. It tells me nothing. It tells me that I, I, he can't just turn garbage into magic and wonderful things. He got handed a bad quarterback and did nothing to make him better. He got handed a good quarterback, and the quarterback was pretty good. Then the team went on to win a Super Bowl. Whoop-de-doo. And again, the Vikings offense is worse this year with a massive upgrade at quarterback and running back. Why? You know, the Steelers, after Todd Haley left, actually have improved on offense. Why doesn't anybody want to talk about Randy Fickner, their new offensive coordinator? Guy's been around, been college or been in college since 1986. From 1986 to 2006, he he worked his way up from a graduate assistant at Michigan to an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in Memphis. He went to the Steelers in 2007 as a wide receivers coach, then as the quarterbacks coach. Now in this this year as an offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach, and the offense is actually improving. And they were good last year, but nobody wants to talk about him. Because for some reason, it's not about results. We want we want young and innovative. Fickner is 55 years old. I don't care if he has a really good track record. I don't care if he has a lot of experience. He's old. I don't want old people. I want a 30-year-old guy. Why? I don't know, because he's 30, and he's young, and he's hip, and he's cool. Because I'm sure somebody Aaron Rodgers' age, I'm, sh- I'm sure somebody two years younger than Aaron Rodgers is going to be the perfect solution for Aaron Rodgers. Not only does he get condescended to by somebody who thinks he's going to teach Aaron Rodgers somebody something, but it's somebody younger than him. I bet that's going to work out real well. Because who doesn't like the new guy who's younger with less experience coming in trying to tell you how to do your job? I mean, doesn't everybody love that? And again, if you want it, fine, but defend it. Don't just say it because it sounds cool. It's the same with the Lincoln-Riley stuff. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's cool. Maybe that's dumb. Why is it a good thing? Because he's young and he's hip. That Literally, that there's one common thread among all these top contenders. They're young and they're innovative. Supposedly. I mean, how innovative are the Vikings right now? I don't know. Are they running crazy stuff? But it doesn't matter because he's young and he's hip and he's cool, man. Lincoln Riley's young and he's hip. Yeah. Does he say woke, though? I mean, we should put that on there. Make sure he says woke a lot. That should be like the number one criteria. That's how you know. That'll be like the litmus test. Can they define the word woke? If not, get him out. Fickner doesn't know. <laughs> Stupid Fickner. He's 55 and old. What has he ever done with his life? Make teams better? <laughs> what a loser. Bet he doesn't even know what Instagram and Snapchat are. Grandpa. Guy's almost as old as my dad. Ew. No, what we need is, is, is the next Chip Kelly, man. That's what we need. We, we, we need this guy who just runs crazy offenses to just come in here and just lay out this playbook. You know, he, he was kind of a terrible leader, and he lost the locker room right away, which is a shame. But, man, was that exciting to watch for the five seconds he was a head coach. I'm just saying, there's more. there, there needs to be more than young and innovative. If that is literally the entirety of your criteria, you gotta, you got to broaden it a bit. Add a couple more things that are important. And again, it's hard. And I know we don't want to do hard work. We just want to like come up with an opinion so that we can fight and yell and swear on Twitter because that's what we love to do. But it's okay to not have an opinion. I don't have an opinion right now. I, I don't have a candidate. I, I, I'm technically still open on Filippo. I just need a reason other than young and innovative. Do the guys at Minnesota really, really like him? That would be something. Did he spend Thanksgiving with Rodgers? Are they, are they buddies? That would be interesting information. 
I'm just saying, give me something. Give me something to work with here. It's the exact same thing with Lafleur. Well, he's another one that's at top of the list. Why? This is a 6-6 six and six football team that is 28th in points, 28th in yards. They are almost dead last. They might be the worst offense in the NFL. 28th in points and yards? That's incredible. If they have any success right now, it's because their defense is 6th in points and 9th in yards. This is an underperforming team. If anything, find me a team that's not very good but is overperforming based on the talent. This team has talent. It's, it's not elite top end, but they should not be dead last in points and yards. And they just about are. Last year they were 19th in points. This year, 28th. Last year, 23rd in yards. This year, 28th. Why Lafleur? Why? I mean, the fact that he was a quarterback's coach is cool because that's always a good thing to have for Aaron Rodgers. Um... But I, I I just have to assume it's because he was the offensive coordinator of the Rams. But at this point, we realize the offense for the Rams was working when it was LaFleur as an offensive coordinator and McVay as the head coach. Now you separate the two, and you have sort of a case study. Did the offense follow LaFleur over to the Titans, and now the Titans are improving, and the Rams are, are getting worse? Or are the Rams still successful or even better and the Titans are, are not as good. We see what's happening. The Titans are worse, which should should tell us the Rams' offense in 2017 had very little to do with Lafleur. And again, if it's just that he worked with McVay and he knows the play, everybody knows the playbook, man. Everybody's got it. We all know the plays. So if there's a reason why Lafleur makes sense to you, outside of the fact that he's a failure as, a, as an offensive coordinator and is not helping the team actually get better, then tell me what it is. But you got to give me something here. Because I'm looking at a guy who's never done anything. Then there's Josh McDaniels, and I think this is a very similar thing. He's 42, which isn't super young, but it's pretty young in, in coach years, I suppose. He's got success as an offensive coordinator for a successful program, which, again, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I think this just comes back to... Success is success. I, I, I have no real reason to believe that if we separate Josh McDaniels from the Patriots, that that means that success is going to follow us. If it does, it's because of the talent the Packers have, and Josh McDaniels knows how to make it better, as opposed to having no idea what to do with it. But I have no way of knowing if that's how it's going to work. Now, if you could tell me definitively that the Packers' offense would work similar to the Patriots' offense, I would take him, regardless of any of his issues, any day of the week. But I don't know, what, what do the players think of Josh McDaniels? I don't know. Do they like him? Do they think he's a slime ball? Is he a scumbag? What would the Packers think of him? Maybe Aaron Rodgers would get on his high horse like, oh, he betrayed the Colts, and I don't like that, and I'm not going to like him. Okay, that automatically disqualifies him. Could he bring that level of structure that Bill Belichick has for New England and bring it over? I, again, I understand Bill Belichick is a mastermind, maybe one of the greatest coaches of all time. How much of that is is inside of Josh McDaniels. And I know, well, the coaching tree of, of the Patriots is terrible. And it, Okay, fine. The defensive coordinator went to the Lions and is not very good. Here's a couple things. Number one, defensive coordinators don't make super great head coaches. That's not always the case, but typically if you're going to be a very successful person, it's because you're an off- offensive-minded person who goes there as a head coach and you turn this offense into something like a freak show. The Chiefs, the Saints, the Rams. Great offenses. Nobody's hiring defensive coordinators who are coming in, turning their defenses into defensive powerhouses and winning Super Bowls. The Eagles largely won 
because of their defense, but Doug Peterson is an offensive-minded coach. He's not a defensive coordinator. He, he, they won because your offensive-minded head coach made the offense go, and Jim Schwartz, who is a terrible head coach because he's a defensive guy, is a very good defensive coordinator and made this defense very good, partly because he's a good defensive coordinator and largely because of also they have a lot of good talent, which brings me back to the original point, talent is what matters. Which is why the the GM is way more important than anybody wants to give him credit for. Everybody's real worried about the head coach. The GM is what matters. Put talent on the roster, and there are a lot. If you build an elite roster, the number of head coaches that can come in and make this a winning football team is vast. If you have a GM that depletes your roster, there isn't a single person on the planet who could come in here and make this a winning football team. But I, I'm personally out on um, McDaniel's because, again, the, the 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 biggest thing that we need is to get additional talent, and beyond that, we need somebody who is going to spark the offense and form a bond with Rodgers, a, a a trust relationship. I have no reason to believe McDaniel's is that guy. Maybe he is, and if he is, just hire him. I don't even care. But that's what we need. We need more talent. We need better talent, and we need somebody that knows what to do with that talent, like we got with Pettin. I think Pettin is is a great defensive coordinator. Why? Not because we have an elite defense. That that's 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 a ridiculous misconception by some fans that teams are great because of the coach. The coach just makes greatness. No, the players are great. The coaches just know how to utilize them. If you want to gauge a coach, judge them based on the performance as compared to the talent level. I think our defense has performed well beyond our abilities. How does a team with zero edge rushers lead the league in sacks? How in the world does a team do that? Mike Pettin is how that happens. How are, how are we able to do anything in coverage when we have one guy that can cover somebody? In Jair, that's it. We have one defensive lineman, zero edge rushers, one linebacker, no safeties, one corner. The defense is pretty good. You know, we, we talk about Vic Fangio. Well, we could have had Vic Fangio. We got stuck with Pettin. Vic Fangio was not, he didn't come in and make an elite defense. You know what they did? They kept drafting players, and they kept drafting players, and they kept drafting players. And Vic Fangio, over the course of three years, slowly developed them. This was not an elite defense the second he stepped foot into Chicago. It was a slow process of adding talent, purging non-talent, developing the players that you have, and now after several years, you have a very good defense. The Packers can follow that path. I think Pettin's first year was better than the Bears' first year. Again, based on the talent that you have, you, you have a program that, that a team whose defense has been the laughing stock of the NFL for a very long time, he comes in and, and changes the culture. That's what we need on offense. Somebody who can change the culture. Somebody that can take the lack of talent and, and overperform. I think Mike McCarthy underperformed, and that was the problem, and that's why he's gone. There was a lack of talent. There absolutely was. But we underperformed based on that talent, and the Cardinals game proved that. If there was any doubt, the Cardinals game proved that. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham and Marquez and EQ and Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in the NFL – and and one of the with the the best left tackle and a very good right guard and a great center three out of five really good linemen. How in the world is this offense so terrible? They underperformed. We need a culture change. We need somebody to come in like Petten did with just just a new message. And look how excited everybody got it. Look how excited Mike Daniels got about the new message, the kill philosophy. 
granted, when you break it down, it's keep it likable and learnable. Kill gets very kindergarten, but the fact is, it's kill. Alright, it sounds cool, and it's mean, and it's aggressive, and it's about smacking people in the mouth, and it's, we're, we're not playing soft zone, we're playing press man. You get in your face, you hit him. You hurt him. That's Mike Pettin. That's the voice of that locker room. That's the voice of that defense. He's a mean, violent person. He brings that energy to the defense, and they like it. And they're responding to it. We need that sort of a message for our offense. And I I think in conclusion, as much as I can look at this and and just say, I don't know, and I would love to be able to to hire a search committee just so I can get information. Tell me about these people. This is what I want. Who fits the criteria? Who's going to bring this kind of message? And again, that's you got Dabo Swinney. If nothing else, he's the kind of guy that's just going to come in and get people all rah-rahed up. That might be the best thing about college coaches. The difference between the college coaches and the head coaches in the NFL, a lot of NFL head coaches are just, they're all kind of political, and maybe it's just at the podium, I don't know, but college coaches are jacked up, man. Did you hear Kirby Smart, the the Georgia head coach, after when when they were talking about, is he going to get in, which I don't even want to get into that, but I don't know why they didn't. I mean, I do, I just, I think it's a dumb reason. But his, his answer to, you know, you want to find out who should get in, talk to Alabama, Talk, talk to the other teams and ask them who they don't want to play. Here, if you didn't hear it, I'll just play it for you. But this is what I'm talking about. This, this is the kind of like rah-rah, we're better than anybody any day of the week kind of a message I'm talking about. Well, it boils down to want the four best teams in or not. That's, that, it's that simple. You know, they sat at home last year and got to go in the game while everybody else was beating each other up, and they had a good football team. Give, give that coach across the sideline a vote who he doesn't want to play. And it'll start with us. I promise you he don't want to play us. It sounds simplistic, but again, what we're dealing with, again, more emotion than I think I would like. But it's, it's an emotional game with emotional players, and they ride that high. And if that's what they need, some, 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 some motivation to get these guys to believe that they're bad, you know, in a, in a good way. And let's get it. And not just for the offense, for the defense too. I, I, I think for all the great things that Mike McCarthy was, I don't believe he ever was a rah-rah guy. He's a do-your-job guy. And I think young guys get excited and they respond to guys like Mike Pettin, but then you get Mike McCarthy and, and Philbin in there and it's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's academic. And if, if you need proof of that, go look at the sideline. It felt academic. Right, it's it's this is what we're gonna do, here's the concept, here's the route tree, here's what we're gonna do and why we're gonna do it, and here's how it's gonna win and why it's gonna win, and if it doesn't work, this is why it's not gonna work. And if you do your job, it's gonna work and blah 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 blah. Just do your job. And if you execute, great, high five, go to the sideline, go watch the film, go find out what we can do next. If it didn't work, you didn't do your job and, and Aaron Rodgers is gonna look at you like you're dumb and you're gonna go to the sideline and Mike McCarthy's gonna give you that scrunched face like you dummy, we, we, we sat academically in our classroom, we sat upright with our with our nice suit and tie on in class and we took notes and then you were right there and I know you paid attention. I even called on you in class and you knew this and now how did you met it's too academic, man. You have to infuse energy and excitement. It seems silly, it seems gimmicky, but as much as we want gimmicky plays, we need gimmicky lingo. We need a, a, a kill philosophy on defense. As, as goofy and as ridiculous as that seems for grown adults, they feed off that. Because, it, I mean, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's, a, it's an animalistic kind of game. It, it feeds on energy and excitement. Right? Yeah, yeah, maybe you should be able to go to the gym with no music and be able to, to, to pump off, you know, 325 or whatever, no problem. Yeah, 
but maybe you could just put music in your ears, crank it really loud, and, and in your mind become an animal, and pace back and forth, and breathe heavily, and start grunting and screaming and smacking yourself, and then go lift the weight, because maybe it'll help, because maybe you can feed off the emotion. Why do we need that kind of stuff? I don't know. We just do. Very quickly, here, here's Mr. Dabo. These SEC coaches, man, they're all fired up. Well, I don't know about the Alabama guy. <laughs> I mean, the, the good thing, though, is these are prideful programs, and they feed off of that. And I, I think the NFL is sometimes a little too businessy, right? It is about do your job and, and professionalism and, and, and all this stuff. And I don't know, man. Maybe we need a little bit more pride. I mean, we, we talk about it when we lose. We talk about, we, you know, we demand better. This is a great, this is a great football program, and, and we, you know, there's a culture here in Green Bay, and we demand. You know, why, why aren't you talking about that throughout the week? Anyways, I, I cut out the question, so the, the beginning is going to be half question and half him jumping in front of this reporter, but his answer is all that matters. Is it a matter of, like you said, focus one game at a time, or is it a matter that they don't even think about it anymore? Well, I think it's ridiculous that you're even asking me that question. I don't, I that you even say the word. I mean, I'm serious. I'm sick of it. I don't even know why we even bring up the dead gum word. How about some of these other teams out there that lose to unranked opponents all the time? That's our 33rd win versus unranked opponent. We ain't lost to anybody unranked since 2011, but I have to come to a press conference in 2015 and get asked that. And that's all media bull crap. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Should not be asked that question. Period. That's how we feel about it. This football team right here has earned the respect. Ain't nobody giving us anything. Not one ounce of anything. They've earned everything they got. And when I have to turn on the TV and people bring up that word and they try to casually throw the word out there like you do, but it's still the word. It shouldn't even be in the conversation. That's how they feel about it. That's how I feel about it. I apologize. I was not trying to be offensive and say Well, same thing today. Rhetoric on TV today. Same old bull crap. People need to get some more adjectives. This football team has shown up. What else they got to do? We've beaten Ohio State, Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, Auburn. We've beaten 33 unranked opponents in a row. We're 7-3 versus top 10 teams. People need to quit talking about that. It's like people are trying to push their own agenda out there. And I'm, I can't believe I got to come in here with a 5-0 football team that just had a great win and have to be talked about Clemsoning. I, I, just, just I shouldn't, even, shouldn't even be in the conversation. I, I appreciate what you're saying. I, my, my point was simply that this is a team that clearly rebounds quite well, even after a high. I, my, my, if we lose this week, it ain't because of Clemsoning. No, obviously. It's because we just got beat. We're human. We're not, we're, we're just human. Good God Almighty, man. Look all over the country. You got all kind of teams out there getting beat. Anyways, I think you get the, the point. But, I mean, just, just think what that does for a football team, right? I mean, obviously Mike McCarthy would, would snicker and sneer and, and not snicker, but, you know, when negative questions would be asked. But, you know, it was just such a cold kind of like diplomatic. You know, we, we knew all his, his terminology and phraseology. Well, it's like anything. And we, we just take it one opponent at a time, blah, blah. It's so boring. And yeah, maybe that's what you say to the media, and then you go give the rah-rah to the, to the team a little bit later, and okay, don't listen to them, they're wrong, and we're good. 
How, what does it do for a team to have a head coach stand there and when a media member talks something negative, he lays out how you are a dominant football team who has just destroyed everybody in our path. How dare you even talk down to my football players? That's the kind of stuff that really gets the team fired up. Because as much as we want to pretend they don't listen, they listen. They listen to everything. They know what the media says. They know what, what we say on Twitter. As much as they, they, they might you know look down their nose and say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They, they listen and they don't like it. But to have their head coach step up and say, you're a joke. How dare you even question us? We, we, we are beyond the reach of any criticism whatsoever, as much as it might be, I mean, I I think it was a fair question, to be completely honest, but it doesn't matter. It was an opportunity for the coach to get his team fired up. I, I think he unfairly destroyed that poor reporter, but you know what? He used that moment to get his team fired up because every single player on that team is going to watch this press conference, and every single one of them is going to go out and play harder because of it. It might be kind of a fluffy kind of thing, but you know what? So are gimmick plays. They have a place. They can be useful at times if you use them at times. Sometimes you need a little bit of that. You can't be just that. You can't just be a firebrand on TV but a garbage coach. You need to have a little bit of all this stuff. Understand you know, new modern offenses and, and the NFL and how to work in that re- in regard. You've got to be able to, to work a locker room. You've got to be able to form a relationship with your players without being you know, your, your buddy-buddy with them and not have any structure. You've got to still have that structure and leadership. But if you can be hard on your team and, 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 and play the bad guy you know, during practice and, and demand perfection, but then when, when you go on TV, you, everybody sees, you know what, he's got my back, you can be a successful head coach. But again, all I'm really getting at is there's so much criteria. There's so many things, and you can pick one thing. You can say, okay, I want an, an innovative, offensive-minded person. Fine. Lincoln Riley. Great. I, I want somebody who, who's going to get the team fired up. Who's really going to get this 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 team? You know, he's going to defend the team. And fine, how about Dabo? I want somebody with a good track record. Fine, Josh McDaniels. I want somebody who's all of those things. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know who that is, but you let me know who it is, and uh, we'll support him. And I I don't think we're going to find that person. But I, I guess I just wanted to bring up the fact that I think maybe we think too simplistically. Not to say you shouldn't have an opinion, you should, and I look forward to seeing on Twitter and Facebook and everybody else's opinions, but just do your best to really lay out your argument so I can read it and be convinced, because I want to be convinced, and I haven't seen anything other than young and innovative. I don't. I just don't care, man. You know who else is young and innovative? 14-year-old dude playing Madden. He's real young and real innovative. He calls all kinds of crazy plays. He knows all about innovative offenses. He knows all about college offenses. I don't want him to be a head coach. Again, we can get Chip Kelly. Call him up. If that's what you want, get Chip Kelly. I don't think he's super young anymore, but... Anyways, i, I got to wrap it up. Um, that's more or less where I'm at. And I'm um, excited about it. And I'm excited about learning more about some of these things. And um, the rumors keep pouring in. And it's it's exciting, but I think it can also get obnoxious. But just, just try to keep an eye on... You know, you set your own criteria. You don't have to use mine. What, what are the things that you find to be important? What did I leave out? How do you rank them? What, what is the most important thing? Is it, is it youth? Is it innovation? Is it leadership? Is it, is it sort of passion? Is it their, their ability to have a relationship with Rogers? What are your criteria? How do you rank the criteria? And who, who best fits that criteria? Because nobody's going to hit all those points. At least nothing that we, maybe somebody can hit all those points, but we don't know. 
we don't know how their relationship's going to go with the locker room. We don't know how they're going to be as, as a, you know, if it's coming from college to NFL, there's, there's really no metric to measure that. There's, there's no conversion. There's no online free conversion calculator where you can punch in the person's name and they're going to give you the value of how good they're going to be in the NFL compared to their college record. I wish there was. There's not. But, um, I mean, listen, here, here will be the final, final note. I think that we had a, a really tough task finding a GM, and I think we got the best guy for the job. I genuinely do. There were a lot of names. There were people that I liked, and I think we picked the guy that's better. They had better information. And, again, I love what they did as far as, as Mark Murphy making the d- decision to say, I want all the draft reports. I want to know what you thought of every single one of these people. Put it down in front of me. Kind of laid everything bare because he prioritized the draft and good for him. As much as we want to say he's too disconnected from football, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's a smart dude. He's been around a long time. He knew the right criteria for a GM. He found a guy that's very, very, very good in the draft, who's also a little bit more um, aggressive in free agency, but not too aggressive. I am a huge fan of what we have in our GM so far. We'll see how it goes long term. But I love that decision. We had another decision. We have to find a defensive coordinator. Again, lots of names came up. I think we got the right guy. I think, it, you know, it, it, it made me nervous. I didn't know how that was going to translate over here. I didn't know how any of that stuff was going to work, but I'm okay with it. I think, again, we overperformed. I think with, with better talent, this, this could be not just a, a continually improved team, but if our GM can continue to make good moves, we could have similar success to what the Bears had. Because, again, that was a three-year process involving a defensive coordinator improving the players that he had, as well as a GM providing more talent through the years. We now have an opportunity, again, to, do, to, to, to essentially follow the Bears' path. They, they went out and got a defensive coordinator. He got a good footing. He, he understands what he's doing. He's building this defense. Then they, they went out and got their quarterback, who we already have that piece, and ours is much better than their piece. And then they got their offensive-minded head coach, who... Yes, is a, a, a innovative young mind, which is obviously what everybody wants, but it's just a good fit. And not only is it just innovation, but he understands how to utilize it. And it's it's great for their team because I don't think Mitch Trubisky is a very good quarterback. So he's able to sort of, again, analyze the talent that you do have, find the best way to get the best out of your players. We have another opportunity to take this to the next level, and as, as much negativity and pessimism as there has been, Mark Murphy has not given me any reason to believe he can't pull this off. This, this in my mind, is a very competent organization, and maybe we waited a little, long, little too long to get rid of Ted, but we did it, and it was a good move, and we have a better GM now. We waited too long to get rid of our defensive coordinator, but we did it, and we have a better defensive coordinator now. Very, very competent individuals are working very hard and including up to and including hiring outside consulting agencies to find the best person for the job. And in both cases, it's probably not going to be my number one candidate, but I think in the long run, there's a good chance that we're going to be satisfied with the overall selection. So, you know, let's have fun. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a debate. Let's let's have some favorites because it's fun because why not? But um, let, let's have some trust. And then then when it happens... Don't just immediately react. It's probably not going to be your number one pick that gets selected just based on odds and statistics. But let's, let's just analyze it. And then let's give him the opportunity. Let's not cut him out at the knees before we get a chance to see the offense. Because again, the players see all this stuff. And if you have a head coach that's giving you the rah-rah and getting everybody excited, 
but then you got the fans and the media laughing at the team going, they're going to be terrible. That doesn't help. So let's not be a part of the problem, right? Let's Just like we shouldn't do the wave when we're on offense, just like we should be standing and screaming when the defense is, when the opponent's defense is on the, or offense is on the field, we also have a part to play on social media and, and in, in the way we, you know, interact with the team. Not to say we can never be critical, but to, to, to cut the, te- the team out at the knees before they have a chance to even be successful, I mean, let, let's just be excited is all I'm saying. Anyways, that's it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Wait. Clemson's ACC. <laughs> they're, they're not SEC, they're ACC. That just dawned on me and I was about to export this. And I was like, wait, I messed that up. I got to correct that. Have a good day. Bye.